I had an interesting question that someone sent in to me, and it was so good that I wanted to work it out in a 2,000-word article, and I did. A father sent in a question asking about this issue that his son is having with his mother. Let me read it to you because it's self-explanatory, and then I'll get into my response to this caring dad. But he said, my son is pushing away from my wife. He's 14 years old. I've noticed a growing embarrassment from him toward his mother. I've tried to talk to him about it, but he hardly responds, only to say it's weird to be still hanging out with mom. He's a good kid and seems to have a heart for God. The issue is one of those rare times where he has been obstinate. How should I approach him? What would you advise? What an awesome question. Now, perhaps you have a question, too, that... It's on your mind, and it's nothing about this, but you would like some advice. Well, you know, if you want me to do a podcast about your question, you can suggest that. Write it in and ask. Perhaps I can do that. But we also have free community forums as well where you can get immediate advice. It takes a long time, about 12 hours, to to actually rough out an article and to edit it and do the podcast and and get all the SEO and the other things uh, connected to it. It takes a long time to do that. And so if you want some quicker help, uh, you can go to our free community forums. They are brought to you by those who support our ministry. And they give financially every month or every year. And it this partnership in the gospel is really incredible because we get to help thousands of people every day. And so if you have a question, please jump on our community forums and ask it. But I do want to deal with this one. Welcome to the podcast. You're listening to Your Daily Drive. I am Rick Thomas. And again, we can meet in cyberspace if you wish. Just jump on our forums and, and tell us what's on your mind. If you want to read my response to this dad, you can do that. This 2,000-plus word article on our website is titled, The Intricate Reasons Why a Teen Boy Rejects His Mother. Now, what is going on in the boy's heart is he is insecure. That's what's happening here. You have an insecure young man who doesn't want to be associated with his mother. I'll get into the complexity of why he doesn't want to be associated with his mother as far as the inner dynamics of, of what is going on in his heart. But the real bottom line issue is that he is insecure. A secure boy would not feel that way about his mom, but this one does. And so you're dealing with insecurity. But there are reasons for that, and I, I will unpack that. I mean, honestly, the short answer is that he's becoming a man He's in that transitional stage between boy and man as he is going, uh, as he is in the teenage years, and of course, this creates that insecurity. The insecurity is pre-existing. He's had it for a number of years, but now it's really manifesting because he's in this weird place of transitioning from boy to man. He's growing up into manhood, and what he is doing and. And what you parents are experiencing is normal for many families with boys maturing into men. Now, there are some profound theological implications here as well, and I, I will get into those. I also have a video here that I would love for you to watch. It's a little more than 11, 11 minutes long called The Important Role of Fathers, and this is vital information for all parents to understand these dynamics. I also have three other articles here that will serve you too. But the first place that 
I want to begin is the same place that I began with any relationship encounter. It doesn't matter if you're counseling, discipling, parenting, or a friendship, someone in your local church. Whenever you have some kind of sticky moment, a challenging opportunity between you and another person, and again, it doesn't matter if it's dad or and son, but any relational conflict or potential conflict the place where you began, when you ask the question, how would you approach him? What would you advise? Here's the first thing that you'll hear me say. You need to start in your heart first, not the other person. Now, I know that most of you probably know this, and I'm preaching to the choir, but there is a chance because of the reach of our ministry that every listener of this podcast is is not in the choir, and so this perspective may be new news for them, and that's why I'm taking the time to say, hey, this is the first place that you want to start because it's so easy. It's such a, a quick temptation to jump into the other person's business without addressing your heart. Jesus lays out clearly how we should approach other people in Matthew 7, 3, 4, and 5 with the log in your eye. This worldview is one of the most important things that you'll hear in this podcast because how you begin will affect the outcome. If you do not start well, you will not end well. Before every counseling session, I have to remind myself of this gospel truth. Here it is. My sin against God is worse than what this person I'm caring for has done. Now, of course, I'm speaking from my perspective. Hopefully, the other person has a similar perspective regarding himself. But that's not something that I can control. What I can evaluate and what I can protect is my heart. And this gospel perspective is the perfect remedy. As Paul said in, in 1 Timothy 1.15, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am not the worst. I'm not as bad as the rest of them. Well, no, that's not what that text says. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. If that's where you start in your heart, then your approach to your son or any other person that you all need to approach in the coming days or weeks where well, you'll be in a good place because it's easy to become irritated with challenging people. If the realities of the gospel do not adjust my heart, my affection for an obstinate person will diminish and I'll become frustrated with them. This idea is one of the things that fascinates me about the great apostle Paul. He discipled some of the most obstinate people in the New Testament. You knew who they you know who they were. Christ, uh, Corinthians, but his affection toward the Corinthians was stellar. He said this in one four: I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus. Put that in context of these mean-spirited people. Paul, had he had deep affection for them. And if that's your starting point with anyone that you're interacting with, well, you will know if you have affection for a person by how you think about them and how you talk to them or talk about them. If you don't have a loving attitude toward that person, you will more than likely disqualify yourself from helping them. Now, this perspective leads me to a question. I would ask this question to this man, to this dad. I would ask it of his wife. I would ask it to you as you think about people that are within your sphere of care. How is your heart toward your son? Are you irritated with him in any way? If you are, 
You must reorient your mind back to the gospel. Here it is. Your sin against God is worse than his sin against your wife. In this case, against his mother. So has God given you humility as you think about that person in your life? Can you, Dad, approach your son with grace and truth? Once you properly adjust your heart toward God and your son, then you are qualified to serve him with God's word. And so that is my preface to, uh, as the man, the dad was asking, how should I approach him? What would you advise? There's my starting point. The title of the podcast, The Intricate Reasons Why a Teen Boy Rejects His Mother. Now, let's get into this at a granular level. The next thing that I want to share with you, I want to talk about your son's identity. Regardless of what you hear on the internet or uh, the news, boys and girls are different. God made them male and female. Genesis one twenty seven is quite clear. There are clear distinctions between the genders. As our culture is pressing toward equality toward uh, between the sexes, they are obscuring gender re- identities and realities. Parents need to understand the differences between the sexes. These parents need to know that there is something dynamically happening to this boy as he transitions from boyhood to manhood. Parents need to know how to care for each gender according to how God has made them. For the male, there are common universal traits. Like it's a DNA that runs through all boys, all men, all males. Your son is a male made by God. He is not a female. And because of this fact, he requires parenting that equates to what it means to be a man. One of the ways that you can uh, talk about this and, and try to understand it, and sometimes I'll ask this in counseling situations when we're talking about this problem of, of what it means to be a man and insecurity of a young boy who's transitioning into manhood. I'll, I'll put it in the form of a question, and virtually every man in the world can answer this question. Some women can, most of them don't, but here's the question. What's one of the worst things you could call a boy? The men in the room will say, well, I mean, you never call a boy a girl. If you want to pick a fight on the playground with another boy, here's how you do it. Two 10-year-old boys on the playground, two 7-year-old boys on the playground, and one of them calls the other one a sissy, a mama's boy, or some other effeminate title. If you do that, and if there's a a touch of a bit of insecurity in that boy where he can't shrug it off, there'll be a fight. That's the next thing that's going to happen. To be equated with a girl is something within all men that repulses them. The implication for the Bible seems to be clear. God made him a man, not a woman. And to call him a woman is to curse his God-given identity. I'm not being disparaging toward women. I'm just saying that he's not that, and to call him something that he is not, especially if he's insecure, that's going to, that's going to be a problem. 
And it's one of the reasons that this young man is struggling with his mother as his mother continues to hover and, and to approach him and, and try to straighten his tie or, or whatever it is. And, and he feels like a mama's boy. His identity as a man is rising up within him. This is not a bad thing. Of course, it becomes a bad thing if he's sinning against his mom, but it's imperative to understand these dynamics that's going on in his soul. Within the male psyche are intrinsic qualities and realities that mean something. Being a man is not just a shell. It's not like a thin veneer that is covering, like dropping a blanket over a chair. Being a man is not a shell over his soul with no inward reality or awareness. The television may characterize us as being dense and dumb, but we are not that way at all. We know who we are. We know what we want. Being a man means something. And all men expect others to affirm them for who they are. Men, there are unique qualities that are important to the male. One of the best things you can do for a man is to, is to let him know when he's hitting the mark by fulfilling his role as a biblical man. Let me share three of those marks with you. There is a list of character traits that are important to a man, but here's three of them. Being strong. Men want to be strong. They want to be affirmed for their strength. I'm not talking about self-reliance. I'm not talking about sinful self-reliance, but it doesn't mean that you're supposed to be weak. Weakness, being weak, is not the answer to self-reliance. We are to be strong. God made Adam a strong man. Being able to manage is a second characteristic of a long list. Being strong, being able to manage, to take care of things. A third one is leadership. Leading. If you want to affirm a man, you affirm him for his strength, his ability to manage things, to take care of things, his ability to lead. These are just three of these God-given qualities. For example, God has called men to protect. That's this idea of strength, and that's what I mean. The the opposite of self-reliance is not weakness in this context because God has called men to protect, to be strong. God has also called men to manage, as he told Adam, to take care of the garden. And so we are strong managers, and then God has called us to lead For example, to lead our wives. They're they're not supposed to follow their wives, but they are to protect, to love, to lead their wives. This concept is just one way a man can be a man. It is commonly understood in Meldom. When two guys meet, one of the initial questions is, what do you do? Do you know why that's a common question? You see, men find their identities and their ability to do things, to manage, be strong, manage things, to lead. It's one of the ways that we find our identity. And it always has something to do with strength and leadership. Weakness or to be weak is a male's kryptonite. And I realize that we can take that. Uh, so far that when sin gets inside these concepts, then we're self-reliant people who are not depending on God. But when a man is exercising his inherent manliness biblically, he is doing what God has called him to do. 
and he enjoys the father's pleasure or the father's affirmation. A man being affirmed by God for fulfilling the role that God created him to do, that's at the height of biblical manhood. All of these things are happening inside of your son. He's learning about these things. He's growing into these characteristics. The problem with most men is how sin has more effect and governance over their inherent manliness than the Word of God does or the Spirit of God. And these sin-governed men find their inner man satisfied by dominating women or building kingdoms. That's the worst version of being a man that we hear so much about. Sin always takes the good things from God and turns them to evil realities. Sinful men will misuse their man gifts. But rather than being a humble protector and a humble lover and leader, they exercise power in corrupt and destructive ways. The culture overreacts to this travesty by emasculating the male. It's no longer cool to be a strong leader because the only version the culture knows is an unbiblical one. The solution is not to emasculate the male, but to teach him what it means to be a biblical protector, manager, leader. The most qualified person on the planet to do this, to teach a boy how to be a biblical man, is his father. That's why it's one of the reasons I'm so encouraged that a dad is writing in and asking this question and not a mother, because the dad is the key person in this as this boy is trying to figure out what it means to grow up in manliness and as he's transitioning with insecurity involved. The old adage is it takes one to know one. Dad needs to step up. The reason the father is the most qualified person is that that the son came from his dad and his father is the first and primary male influence in the boy's life. Only a man can teach a boy how to be a man bottom line. A woman cannot do this well. There are some situations where they have to do this, but they can't do it well because it does take one to know one. Let me put it to you this way. If you are a man, do you think you can teach your daughter how to be a woman? You can't. You can't do it well. The opposite is just as true. When I say a woman can't teach a boy how to be a man, a man can't teach a father, can't teach a girl how to be a woman. When our girls were younger, Lucia Lucia began teaching them about the facts of life, the sex talk. I won't get into all of what we did in order to walk them through that process, but part of it I'll share in this podcast is that we prepared a one-week stay in the mountains to properly care for our daughters because they needed that time away to process the information of what it means to be coming to age. We knew that that would be world-altering for them. My wife was the only person qualified for this task for our girls. I was not about to take my daughter or both our both our daughters uh, at different times, of course, to the mountains for a week to talk about erections, sex, periods, pregnancy, along with a lot of other conversations. That's inappropriate, not my role. But when it was time to talk to my son, I was the one that had to do it. My wife should not have to have this talk with him. That's my job. 
Quite frankly, it would be weird, awkward, and slightly off target for a father to teach his daughter how to be a woman or a mother to teach a son how to be a man. This vital idea is part of what is going on inside of this teenage son that this dad is writing about. The son is not rejecting his mother. That's not what is happening here. The son is separated from his mother. This response is typical in the sense of what I have been saying. He is in a transitional time of his life where he is transitioning from being a boy to a man. One of the standard peculiarities at this time in a boy's life is is his desire to be what his father is, a man. All boys want to be men, and typically the prototype of what a man is like is some version of the only one that he knows, which is his father. Now, I realize that there are some bad copies of, of fathers, and these young boys are truly messed up. Because the only father they know is a skewed version of one. But in this case, it sounds like this dad is hitting the marks. And I'm sure this boy is wanting to grow up to be like the only man that he knows in the most intimate way. Boys long for their dad's affirmation and approval. This kind of affection from a dad, it is the precursor to the acceptance that he will seek from his heavenly father. If a dad does it right, it will be easier for the son to have a relationship with his heavenly father. You could think of a dad as like a coupler between the young boy as he's growing into manhood and God the father. The dad can give this boy acceptance and love and respect and affirmation, but those things are fully defined and fully secured through God the Father. I've talked to many 50-year-old men who have told me in tears how they still long for their dad's affirmation. I've never had a man emote like this about his mother's acceptance. A boy wants to know from his dad if he is growing into a man. Thus, you have this gravitational pull toward the dad that feels like rejection of the mother. And so when you ask the son about what's going on, he can only shrug his shoulders because he can't articulate the depth of the complexity of what's going on in his soul, the way that I'm articulating it here. How can a girl, how can a mother, affirm these inner desires to be manly? She can't. Not only will a boy reject being called a sissy on the playground as a seven-year-old, but he may push away from his mother too. He cannot be associated with or accused of being a mama's boy especially if he's insecure. As I said at the top of this podcast, one of the ruling heart motives that's going on inside of this young man is his insecurity. If you have a a boy that is not insecure, doesn't struggle with the fear of man, he will not have the issues uh, to the degree that this boy here is having. If you ask him about this, as I said, he'll not be able to articulate this. Few boys have enough biblical awareness to put in words what he is feeling deep in his soul. And so when you approach him, you need to understand that. Uh, You can't expect him. I mean, if you give the child the keys to the car 
and he's too young. His feet don't go to the pedals. He can't see over the hood. He may be sitting in the driver's seat, but he can't drive. And young men do not understand the psychological complexity of what's happening to them when they're transitioning from boyhood to, to manhood. And you could become frustrated if you expect him to understand the dynamics of becoming a man or how he is compelled to distance himself from anything that is anti-male. He is not rejecting his mother, and you need to understand this. He is growing toward manhood while trying to figure out and get comfortable with what it means to be an adult male. It is common for this process to step on a few toes, especially mothers. I'm not giving him an out for sinning against her. He can't do that. There's no excuse for being rude, for being unkind, for being uncharitable, for being harsh, being inconsiderate. There's no out here for him. He needs to repent of these sins. But you also need to know the deeper issues that are going on. You said, this dad said, that that my child is a good kid. That is your clue, that he has not gone off the deep end. He is wrestling with becoming a man. That's all. There's an embarrassment factor, insecurity involved in hanging with mommy. Don't call me a sissy. Don't call me a mama's boy. Why does mom have to take me to school? Mom, stop adjusting my collar. I can do it myself. Please stop mothering me. I have heard all these statements in the counseling office and scores more. Boys want to be men. And there may be a season in their lives when they distance themselves from anything that would give the perception that they are not men. In time, your son will become comfortable in his own skin. He'll become comfortable in his masculinity. And he will come back to his mother and love her like never before, better than before. He will have made the transition from boy to man, but now he's still working it out. We live in a fallen world, and one of the tragedies of our fallenness is fathers who do not understand what I am saying. There are three common ways a father can misapply this teaching and abuse his parental privilege. He can die, which is out of his control, of course. He can divorce, or he can be in the home but abdicate his role as a dad. When one of these things happen, there is a strong possibility the boy will be a skewed man, He will not grow up correctly in biblical manhood. He won't learn what it means to be a man. He won't be fatherly. If he does learn, like me, he'll have to do it as an adult after God regenerated me at 25. But an angry or passive, unkind, condemning, or mean-spirited dad, those are just some of the ways that a parent can, a dad can mess up a boy. The child will be insecure regarding his manliness if the father does not affirm him as a man, and this can tempt him to find affirmation in other ways. For example, an angry dad communicates rejection. A passive dad does the same thing. Though they are opposites, angry dad, passive dad, the interpreted message is the same. There is something wrong with me because dad rejects me. The angry dad rejects overtly by his anger. The passive dad rejects by his distance. The boy will interpret this as as something being wrong with him. If my dad, the man of the house, rejects me, something is missing in me. In time, he will stop looking for his dad's affirmation and will seek it in other ways. 
The most common way a boy will feel affirmed as a leader is when a girl starts to follow him. Welcome to the misguided world of dating. Another illustration of how unaffirmed boys find their cravings for affirmation is through the portal of success. Where teen love is the most common trap for young men, materialism and reputation are the most common pitfalls for adult men. If dad falls down on the job, the boy will not stop craving for affirmation as a man. He will hunger all the more. The dad's failure will only make the desire intensify. He will find unsatisfying fillers which will further distance him from the only one, God himself, who can help him. The correct solution is for him to find satisfaction through Christ alone. You are the connection, Dad, between the boy and God. You are a picture of God the Father, and your affirmation will be vital in setting the stage for him to fully understand what it means to do life with our Heavenly Father. Remember, he first learns of the Father's love through you. The more he matures in Christ, the more Christ's strength will work through him. Perfect manliness is found through Jesus alone. When he learns how God perfects his power through him, then he will be an authentic biblical man. There is a true gospel contradiction in play here. Worldly men understand manliness through self-reliance, while biblical men find manliness through Christ's reliance. Please know that your affirmation will only partially fulfill what he needs. Hopefully it will lead him to where he needs to be. You will affirm him as a man, but Christ will teach him how to live out his manhood biblically. The title of the podcast, The Intricate Reasons Why a Teen Boy Rejects His Mother. Your Daily Drive is a production of rickthomas.net, a global community that is seeking to live more productive and inspiring lives. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please go to rickthomas.net, rickthomas.net.